Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. It's time. It's time to have real, honest, open, difficult, and inspiring conversations. It's time for Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Want to introduce you to our first guest tonight. Yes, I do. He is an American civil rights activist, community development leader, author, and founder and president of the Woodson Center, which is a nonprofit research and demonstration organization that supports neighborhood-based initiatives to revitalize low-income communities. Family. I invite you to the conversation with none other than the one and only Bob Woodson. Well, hello there. It's pleased to be here. I've got to work on my sound effects because we should have a, you know, some some applause. Hello. But so happy to have you. Thank you, Nick. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Good engineer there. <laughs> Good you see that ass? Can you see that? See that? So first of all, just thank you for coming to spend some time with us and to share with us and impart some knowledge and all that good stuff. Um, I did share with our family a little bit about you, but because the hour goes by so fast, I'm going to jump right in. Would you? Would you please tell us a little more? about you, from where you come and all that good stuff. Yeah, I was born in South Philadelphia, uh, 18th <laughs> and Garrett Street, right near Dickinson and Reed, uh, youngest of five children. Uh, my dad died when I was nine years old, leaving my mother with a fifth grade education and five children to raise, um, which means that she didn't have time to read it to us or attend PTA. She was too busy working. Mm-hmm. So that meant that I had to rely more on my peers. And so there were six of us that we call ourselves the fellas, uh, have been friends for life. Uh, three of us are still around. One of them, your listeners may know uh, by name, and that was uh, Matt Robinson. He was Gordon on Sesame Street. First black guy on Sesame Street with the Afro. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my buddies. And he died. Uh, 15 years ago, and I was able to go to Hollywood and eulogize him. His daughter is Holly Robinson, the actress, married to Rodney Peake. I forgot that. She and her mother, Dolores, comes back to Philadelphia a couple times uh, to uh, visit over the years. So anyway, so I grew up, um, and because my fellas were a year older than me, Mm -hmm. and I went to Overbrook High School, moved to West Philadelphia. Overbrook. <laughs> my um, fellas graduated. They were a year older than me. I found myself unaffiliated. So I uh, dropped out of high school when I was 17 and went into the military, the Air Force, and uh, went from New York to Mississippi for training. So that's my first experience with raw racism. Yeah. Uh, and um, got my training there and went into the space program. Uh, finished, got my GED in the Air Force and took some college courses. I, t- I took 
courses in math at the University of Miami when I could not walk on the campus. So I have 12 credits what? from the University of Miami because the Air Force had extension courses on the base. Um, and so after that, um, I um, finished and came out the military, a young man that went to Cheney, graduated from Cheney University and and then worked uh got a master's from University of Penn School of Social Work. So I'm a Philadelphia born bred and did. I'm okay through and through. Philadelphia mm-hmm. through and through. Wow, what history. Yeah. I, mean, I, I got turned on to working with, you know, I, I was a correction officer, second to Luzerne Youth Correctional Institution when I was working my way through Cheney. Okay. And I was locked behind three doors with 65 juveniles in there from gang murder to truancy, no program. And a lot of them were like the kids I grew up with. And I kind of had a burning bush experience before I knew what a burning bush was. Six, six of those boys I would have adopted if I had the money to do so. Oh, wow. So when I I just loved working there, and so I I uh, d- redirected my life to working among low income kids, particularly black gang members. And so then uh, I got involved in the civil rights movement in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I moved out in the home of Baird Rustin. Oh wow. Uh, and so that's and I had a chance to meet Dr. King through Baird Rustin. Um, so that's kind of a little background on, on me. That's a lot of background on you. You, I mean, you look at the family. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? He said, you know, I did this. I did that. He didn't just say this and that. He dropped gems. He dropped pearls. <laughs> you met Dr. King. You were in the Air Force. I want to start with one thing you said when you were talking about the racism you experienced or the, the first with well, your introduction, your biggest introduction. You said uh, New York to Mississippi. That had to have been like culture shock. I can um, I, I first of all, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. But at what age were you when? 17. Seven. Three months into my 17th birthday, I quit school and went into the Air Force. And after three months of basic training in Sampson in New York, I went to get crew flight training, airborne electronics. I was in a space program. And so they sent me to Mississippi for about eight months for training. Uh, And that's when uh, (laughs) I saw it up close and personal. Um, And... uh, and so they gave me, so that, then I got involved in the space program and then I went to Florida, which is also segregated. Mm-hmm. And the rest of my enlistment, I spent in uh, flying on the planes and tracking missiles and doing things like that. And, and there were a lot of challenges throughout that whole time. I but I never let those challenges define who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That has... And that attitude has served me to this day. You know, having just met you today, I believe every word. <laughs> I, I believe you didn't. Uh, and, you know, we're the better for it because we get to learn from you. I, I Would you talk with us about some of the challenges? Would you share with us? Yeah, the, the, the challenges. Well, well, first of all, the challenges that, that I, I faced, I, I left the civil rights movement. 
um, after having led demonstrations in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I left the movement on the issue of forced busing for integration. I was always against forced busing. And so a lot of my civil rights colleagues said, well, Bob, if you are, you're taking the same position as the Klan and John Birch Society. And I said, if Hitler likes classical music, am I supposed to not like it? Mm -hmm. I said, you don't take your positions based upon who agrees or disagrees. I was against it. And so I got into some conflicts with my peers, my civil rights peers. But this was the biggest thing that I part. We picketed outside of a pharmaceutical company. And when they desegregated, they hired nine black PhD chemists. When we approached these black professionals to join our movement, they refused and said they got these jobs because they were qualified. When this happened, I realized that there was a bait and switch game going on where mm -hmm. one group of blacks were using the conditions of another group of blacks to make the case for why uh, um, um, resources should be deployed. And when they were, the people who suffered most did not benefit from the change. So I realized, as Dr. King said, what good does it do that open to have the opportunity to live in the neighborhood of your choosing or eating the restaurant if you don't have the means to exercise that right? So I began to place a lot of my time and attention, not just opening doors and removing racial barriers, but preparing people to walk through the doors uh, to take advantage of these opportunities. And, and so, but the biggest uh, the barrier was, I believe, the worst, one of the worst things that happened to us when we talked about the goal was, was not desegregation, but integration. Mm -hmm. It means that we boycotted our own businesses, our own schools. There was an outflow of support for our own institutions. And so um, I, I've always been involved in, in I, I guess I, and so that's, that was one of the barriers that I faced. And, and to this day, that's still a challenge. There's not enough debate within the black community as to the way forward for low income blacks. The two, the two communities, uh, I keep telling people, just because someone looks like you, it doesn't mean they're looking out for you. Mm. There's so much, oh my goodness, there's so much truth to that statement. I'm, I'm listening to you talk about this same issue that is longstanding, that has been in existence since forever. And, and I'm, I'm not expecting you to speak for everybody, but I'm, I would like to know, in your opinion, why do you, why do you believe or feel or think that we're still stuck with that mindset that we, we've not moved? Well, because people uh, have, with, with, with Dr. King, everybody talks about his I have a dream speech, but the one that Nelson Mandela quoted is what I quote, and that is a letter from a Birmingham jail. When Dr. King said that, that the biggest stumbling block to black progress is not the white citizens council or the KKK, it's the white moderate, that lukewarm acceptance from people of goodwill is harder to confront than outright rejection of people of, of ill will. Mm -hmm. And he said that we must reach down into the deep, dark regions of our soul and sign and ink our own emancipation proclamation. That's what Malcolm X was saying, too, that we should never forget that our destiny is determined not by what white people do or do not do. But it's what we do ourselves. We used to have institutions within our community 
that really delivered us from a lot of, uh, of the pain and suffering. We abandoned those institutions and instead turned to government for help. And that has brought about, I think, wholesale destruction of our community. I've always been curious to know why we lean so heavily on uh, the opinions of others, why we, 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 don't, we don't look to each other, why we, we've not. And I say this because at one point in time, we had a bond as a people. We were so much stronger. We had, we had businesses. We had family, if you will as a culture. And we're so far removed from that now. And I struggle with understanding how we've gotten, why we've gotten so far away from it. I, well, this is where what we, we, when I, I'm 37, I mean, I'm 86. Jesus. Oh. When I was, when I was born in South Philadelphia and 18th and Garrett, 90 5% of the, the families had a man and a woman raising children. Elderly people could wa walk in South Philadelphia at night without fear of being assaulted by their grandchildren. Mm. I never heard a gunfire the whole time I lived in South and West Philly. Mm. I never heard of children being shot in their cribs. In this city where I am right now in Washington, D.C., last year, 100 children were shot. 19 of them died. 12-year-olds are with, armed with guns robbing people. One 13-year-old had nine carjackings. He just got killed two weeks ago because he robbed the wrong person and they shot him. And so these are problems that have nothing to do with our racial past or slavery or anything. Mm -hmm. This is an enemy that exists within the black community, but there are people who are pimping these problems and profiting from the despair. They don't live in these communities that are suffering these kind of problems. They are living in safe, secure condominiums mm -hmm. that have guards on the door while talking about defund the police that has an adverse effect on people in these neighborhoods. Agreed. Oh, my goodness. On that note, family, listen, it's time for us to take just a short break. <laughs> um, welcome. If you have just joined us, you're tuned in to Love and Life. And we are talking with the one and only Bob Woodson. But we've got so much more of a conversation to have. Family, stay with us because we're coming right back. You're listening to Love and Life with Carol Riddick on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Hello there, family. Welcome back. You are tuned in to Love and Life right here on WURD with yours truly, Carol Riddick. We are talking with the one and only Bob Woodson, and we've begun a conversation about civil rights, activism, and just life, existence. Um, Mr. Woodson, because um, I keep looking at the time and I have so many questions for you, so many because your life is of so much interest to me. There's, there's so much that you've accomplished that I want to share with our family members that I'm trying to pace myself because I want them to get a, a good idea of all of your accomplishments. I do want to share some of our family members are continuing to check in. Cheryl, 
Hicks Lucas is sharing. Good evening, family. Thank you for your service, Mr. Woodson. God bless you. Um, Nasir Butler is checking in and he's sending peace and blessings to everybody. And uh, Eric shares, Mr. Woodson, that's quite the resume. Thank you for your service in all the capacities in which you lead. Um, Henry has a question. Henry asks, was integration bad for us, like sports and other things, like business? Uh, Clarence Thomas benefited, then turned his back on us. He's curious to know. You know, what What I believe we, we should pursue the opposite. You know, I had this debate with Julius Chambers. He was a black Ph.D. lawyer from um, Harvard before mm-hmm. the New York Forest Association. And we were debating about integration versus desegregation. The opposite of segregation is desegregation, and the goal is pluralism, not integration. So I said to Julius, and I say, ask you this, if we have two schools, the first one, A, is integrated, where there's diminished education. School B is black, where there is excellent education. Where should we send our children? He said to A. In other words, I said, then there's no debate. I believe if we pursue excellence, then we will attract people to us. Marva Collins was a public school teacher in Chicago uh, and became frustrated and started her own academy right there in the, in, in the, in the worst crime-ridden neighborhood. And she took kids that failed in the public school, and she began to teach them. There were, she was so good that whites began to bring their children in limousines to her academy because she had a center of excellence. If you, Lilla Green in, in, um, in Germantown uh, many years ago, the Ivy Leaf School was a black mm-hmm. private school in Germantown and that pursued excellence. The kids were reading in, in, in first grade, in kindergarten. And so if you pursue excellence, then others will want to 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 um, now in our in our studies, there were five high schools at the turn of the century, one in New York, Baltimore, Atlanta, and New Orleans. They had used textbooks, crowded classrooms, half the budgets of white schools. Every one of those black schools outtested every white school in each of those cities. That's a part of your history you need to know about. We write about them in our book, 1776. In those same schools, in 13 schools in Baltimore today, not a single child can read at grade level. Are you going to tell me that conditions were worse at the turn of the century during segregation than they are now? If race were the issue, how were we able to achieve back then that we can't today? But if you keep looking at life through the lens of race, you will not find the answers mm. where you won't be looking looking for excellence. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Thank you for that. I, and I'm glad that you you spoke about uh, the 1776 Unites campaign. You, you kind of alluded to it. Would you talk with us about um, the ways in which 1776 Unites campaign addresses and or counters the 1619 project? Very briefly, 1619 with Hannah Nicole Jones, she got together some journalists at the New York Times 
And what she said, America should be defined by 1619. That's when 20 indentured servants came here. Eventually, all of them, you know, but they, they, they were not slaves in that sense. But nevertheless, she is saying because of 1619, when the first 20 African slaves came here, America should be forever defined by slavery. And she even incorrectly concluded that the Revolutionary War was fought to defend slavery. She had to retract that. But she always and, and she reaches no conclusions that are helpful to anybody. She says, as a consequence of America's birth defect of slavery, that that all whites are 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 oppressors, and 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 we need reparations, and all blacks are victims, mm-hmm. and that racism is in our DNA. Well, where do you go when you say something's in your DNA? And so what we need are, are solutions, not problems. She doesn't offer any solutions to the problems facing black America. What we did in 1776, we, we went around the country and we looked at not how we were defined by slavery, but how we responded to slavery. When we were denied access to hotels, we built our own hotels. When we were denied access to hospitals, we built our own the Mercy Douglas in Philadelphia. The, the Divine Lorraine Hotel was in Philadelphia. The Wallahaji in Atlanta. The Carver and Calvert Hotel in Overtown in Miami. I could go on and on. When we were denied access to schools, we built our own. You see, so, but our children today, uh, we, we wanted to write 1776 in our, in our, in our publications, Red, White, and Black. So that these stories of success in the presence of oppression is what our children should be taught. We have a school curriculum that has been developed. It's been downloaded a uh, hundred and I think 140,000 downloads of our curriculum that teaches children success. Yes, slavery was a fact, but none of us should be defined by the worst of what we were when we were young. How many of you listening here or watching? want to be defined by the worst that you ever were. None of us do. Before our family members ask, because I know everybody's going to want to know if the curriculum is still available, if it's still downloadable. And yes. if so, and it's free. And it's, and so where do we find the curriculum? What's it? It's, it's 1776unites.com or Woodson center.org. Emily, I'm going to put that in the chat. I'm most definitely going to put that in the chat. And thank you for saying that because I was going to ask you if you could talk with us about the Woodson Center. Please educate. What we do, in fact, what we do is we help low-income leaders, uh, about 3,000 of them we've served in 39 states to develop self-help issues reducing gang violence in the city. In fact, my first book was about Sister Falaka Fatah in West Philadelphia. I spent three years working alongside Sister Falaka Fatah and David when they developed the House of Umoja. Uh, that's that in 74 and 76, that when Philadelphia was the leading gang capital of America. And within one year, she took it down from 46 gang deaths down to two. Well, I was able to um, uh, follow her around, and I wrote a book. Uh, my first book was A Summons to Life, when I followed Falaka and David 
uh, and and chronicled how they were able. So everything that I learned about interve- intervention, I learned from Sister Fatah listening to her and her husband David, and 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 uh, and, and others. Curtis Jones, who's on city council, was a young gang member when I was uh, in Philadelphia. You see, my mouth is wide open. Mr. Woodson, I could talk with you forever. I could. I could. There's so much, so much that you 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 have to share with us. I do want to, to share with you that our family members are continuing to check in and they're just loving everything that you're sharing. And I think you should know this. Um, Joey, hi there, Joey, our beloved Joey Parham. He's clapping at everything that you're sharing. Um, Ayatunde Garrett is sharing good evening. Mr. Woodson, wow, what a lesson you are giving. And Ayatunde shares that my mother also attended Cheney as well and is from South Philly. Um, our beloved Miss Rosalind Allen is checking in. Hi there, hello. And Dolores Davis is sending greetings and is saying thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Joanne Dorman is checking in as well and is sending peace and blessings and we receive it. Um, Henry shares years ago, Blacks could fight in wars but couldn't get the GI Bill. Then they built the projects, ship jobs overseas and you weren't allowed to have a man like living with you. Mm -hmm. The gangs would skip our block because of two parent households, a mom and dad. Wow. And he does share that Elijah Muhammad said, build your own, build your own. So the Woodson Center, you were sharing with us, Mr. Woodson, how, uh, what inspired you? Not even how. What well, first you? of all, I worked, I, I worked for the Urban League for about five years. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I worked for, I worked for the Unitarian Service Committee. This is a white liberal group in Boston. And I got fired from there because I challenged why 70 cents of every dollar that was raised didn't go to the programs, but it went to fundraising and development. And so I got into a big huff there and I said, well, and so then I left there and went with the Urban League for five years. And I realized even with that organization, the same thing was happening, that we use the the, the conditions of poor blacks as the bait. And when the when the benefits arrive, they go to not to the poor, but to professional service providers. Mm. Who, and so, so it's with this frustration that I left and I said, there has to be an organization that is set up that works exclusively on behalf of low income people. Mm. So I established a center that we serve. We give out a million dollars a year to small group uh, in small grants to 100 organizations throughout this country. So we make sure we're not like the poverty industry. Because 70, in the last 20, let me tell you this, in the last 50 Mm -hmm. years, $22 trillion have been spent on programs that aid the poor. 70 cents of it goes not to the poor, but to professional service providers. And they ask which programs are fundable, not which problems are solvable. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. Yes. You you were sharing with me, family, we were having a conversation offline and you were sharing with me that you have staff in six different states. Can you talk with us about that, how you navigate, how you manage, how the Woodson Center operates? 
Yeah. In other words, let me just say that we believe that people are motivated to change when you give them victories that are possible, not constantly reminding them of injuries to be avoided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what we do is we go around the, 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 the country. If you say 70% of families are raising children in the black community that are dysfunctional or not operating, it means 30% are not. Why don't we ever go to the homes of the people who are doing it the right way and ask them, how and why are they doing it? And, when, and what we do is we raise money for the people who are doing it the right way. And then we bring them together into a group. Every month, we have a gathering of maybe 70 grassroots leaders who share their success with one another. Where? Where does this meeting do this online? We do this online. In other words, we are solutionists. Okay, I want to be a, a part of the solutionist community. Well, then tune in and walk with us. And so the center for the last 43 years that I have run the center, we have um, helped about 3,000 groups uh, to develop self-help organs, uh, efforts within their community, reducing gang violence. Uh, my wife and I have housed gang members in our home, my home. Um, who, who we have, he have converted from this predatory lifestyle. In other words, what young people need more than anything else are people to witness to them. They don't need any more advocates. They don't want to hear any more sermons. They need to see a sermon. Mm-hmm. They need you to get out of your house, go down and engage them and, and witness to them about what a righteous life looks like, what they can do. And that's, we support healing agents within these communities. And that's what the Woodson Center does. We raise funds for them. We train them. Uh, we bring them together so they can share with one another. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Woodson, first of all, Nasir shares that he wants to be a part of this. Nasir, I'm with you. We're going to find out all the information necessary uh, when we come back from this commercial break. Please, family, don't go anywhere. Stay with us because we're coming right You're listening to Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. I think I know. Hello there, family. Welcome back. You are tuned in to Love and Life with yours truly, Carol Riddick. And we are joined with the one and only Bob Woodson. We were talking about the Woodson Center just before the commercial break. And I do want to share that uh, everybody is responding the information that you just shared. Family, I did share or I am sharing the website in the chat. It is thewoodsoncenter.org. And uh, you'll see that right there in the chat. I want to take a moment to go to our phone lines. One of our family members is waiting to join the conversation. Hello, happy Monday, and thank you so much for calling. Hello, Cal, everybody in love and light. Hello to everyone. Mr. Woodson, I changed your name. Your name is, I'll call you, you living historian. You what life is all about with love, love and life is what you give back in life and what you have done, sir. You need to write a book. And the name of that book should be called, It Was Like That. Dr. King said, we got some difficult days ahead of us. Your mother and father must have said, but there's a bright side somewhere. And because of this bright side, the age you are, look what you have contributed to South Philadelphia, and then to the 
city of Philadelphia served. And it should be, I, I want to mention a couple of names. Do you remember Bill Barrett from South Philadelphia? Yes. Do you remember, do the name George Baker ring a bell? Was from down there too, because he had it, and, it, and that was Father Divine. He had, yes. uh, yeah, yes, he had his building there where he fed the people. I think it was something around Gordon Morton. Yeah, Gordon Morton, he had that. So this whole community with Marion Anderson, Kennedy Temple, I remember Ruth Davis, and all of them used to come down South Philadelphia, I mean, to that church over there. And because of this love in life and the songs of joy that they put in that community, like many other communities. But when we look at South Philadelphia, sir, and you've probably seen a lot of musicians come through there, stop and think, Mary, I don't know if you meant Mary Anderson, Mary Anderson but you meant Mary, if not, you meant Cal Ritty. Once again, lifting her voice to this country and to this world, sir. And I say that you and her and people, the, the, the doers of South Philadelphia, like Love and Knife, they build that museum. They need to put y'all in that museum. Living historians that have given back to their community. That's purpose in life, sir. And you remember, and I know it's many things, when you look down there on South, do you remember, uh, uh, what's his name, later, uh, Chubby Checkin, Cal Newman was really young. When he was down on uh, Washington Avenue. Yeah. The, the, uh, Marion Alonzo, the lady, one of the lady people that raised me, they worked for Marion Alonzo. So I'm saying all these things to you, sir. It's my hope as you write this book, when you write this book and leave it in your memoirs to your community, sir. Oh, to Almighty God, make you cry. This is what life is all about. Lord, you still an ambassador for caring, an ambassador for education, sir. Your family, I don't know what the education uh, 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 was back in the day, but because of you, their living was not in vain. Your living will not be in vain. We didn't die. We didn't die for the right to vote. We lived for something, and because we lived for something, we was able to bring this in, into, uh, uh, into existence. And I'd like to say this to you, sir. Remember when Dr. King said these words? We got some difficult things ahead of us. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And like any man, I would like to live a long life. Long jeopardy has its place. I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He had allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I looked over and I seen the promised land. So I'm happy to say tonight I'm not fearing any man, anybody. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And you're seeing that glory, sir. It's on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven mm. needs no help. That's why he sent you here. And your mother and father brought you all into this world to do some good. Once again, you live in historian. And if any kind of way that they do something, I can come over there and try to be an inspiration. I spoke in some Alabama at the Edward Pettit Bridge, sir. And after we came out of Greensburg and went, in, went into Atlanta, and into Atlanta coming out of the Edward Pettit Bridge, I changed the name of the bridge. And I mm. told them on the mic system, I said, from this day forward, when John Lewis was with it, I said, Ryan changed the name of the Edward Pettit Bridge. From this day forward, 
I named the bridge Bridge on the River Kwai because it was mayhem up on that bridge, sir. But That's we call it termination. We determined not to let our voting right be just, just somebody take that away because we all, we have our DNA in this country, sir. You're yes. proving it. When I hear someone say that we're not American, that they, they, they're not ruled out what they're saying. We're in this country. It was not always sparing balance with us, but look what we have to contribute. And I close with this. The FBI, the CIA have our fingerprints on some of everything that was done good in this country. Thank you, Zara. You live in this story. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you. you. And I, you listen to you know that when I was the kid, we used to go to the Royal Theater on Broad Street that was owned black owned. Wow. We heard Lionel Hampton. But we heard Nipsey Russell, all that. Mm. We own the Divine Lorraine Hotel, the Mercy Douglas Hospital, Black Hospital. Oh my! We had all of this. You know, we had it. We did. We truly did. We integrated ourselves out of our own businesses. We're the only people who did that. Mm. But it's still I, not too late. It's still not too late. And that's that what the questioner is. We're going back and borrowing these old values and apply them to a new reality. And that's why my grassroots leaders are, are, are realizing that we need to stop whining about what white folks did to us and confront the enemy within. Oh, my goodness. When you have a rapper having five pregnant women taking a picture with him saying they're going to have a combined uh, a baby shower. That's sick. But no it's one's speaking out about that. And another one says he's got six, 12 babies by six women, and he's bragging about that. Why are we condemning this, this self-destructive? We are condemning. Uh, no, we're silent about it. We are. I, I do want to interrupt you for one moment. One of our family members has been waiting to talk with you. Yes, I'm sorry. No, 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 please don't ever. Please don't apologize. Um, we have a family member online too. Hello, and thank you for your patience. And thank you for calling. Hello. Hi, hello. Hello. Yes, thank you yes. so much yes, for calling. Yes. Yes, my name is Kevin. Um, I'm a former um, citizen of the city of Chester, Pennsylvania. Yes. And I just want to say, to Mr. Woodson, I met him many years ago. Um, at a banquet for Miss Tommy Lee Jones, he was one of the <laughs> speakers. And um, I was one of the um, volunteers that was being honored. And um, I really appreciate the speech that he gave that night. I don't know if he remembers that, but that was back, I guess, in the early 80s. Yes. Wow. That yeah, was back last year, and I'll be there this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was one of the volunteers <laughs> for Youth in Action. No, Mr. Tommy. Oh, no, no, I just me. heard from Mike Jones. Yes. Yeah, I used to, I worked for them as a volunteer. And um, they were really, really, really good people. And they did a lot to help young um young people in the city of Chester. And now it's proud to be part of that organization. Well that's great. Yeah, I was involved in getting the Chester 16, 16 young black men who were wrongly charged with rioting at a football game. We worked for a year to get them released from prison. Uh, I remember that, yes. The Chester 16. I worked with Diane Pound. Yes. 
and Tommy Lee and, and her husband. Yeah, so I go way back in, in the Philadelphia area. I don't think we really appreciate your, your help because we did. Well, I appreciate you for calling in. And uh, if you could be there, I'll be at the banquet this year in March. All right, where's this going to be? I don't know. I'll, I'll have to get it. Get it. <laughs> but we just we just did a fundraiser for the Chester, uh, the Frederick Douglass Christian School that was about to close in October. Right. And the Wilson Center came in with a $150,000 check. And we invited a lot of our donors in the Philadelphia area to come. And as a result, uh, that was People to People Church. Pastor Herb Lusk, who's my cr- close friend, who's who's no longer with us. Yeah. So, so my my roots in Philly go deep, and and they're still there. You know, every th- every time you say something, I have another question about another part of your life. <laughs> Kevin, I want to thank you for calling. I'm looking at the time, and I want to make sure I say this because Mr. Woodson, I could truly, like I said, talk to you forever. I am praying that you will come back to visit with us. Will you please, 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 please invite me? Yeah, it's an open invitation. You just say, Carol, I'm coming to visit <laughs> and you are here. But I, um, we have so many of our family members that want to be involved, that want to know more information. I have shared the website with everyone. It is the WoodsonCenter.org. That is Woodson, W-O-O-D-S-O-N. We're going to find out our information so we too can be solutionists. I had to write that down because I like that I'm putting that in my pocket, if you don't mind. <laughs> but I, you are just a joy. And just thank you so much for being the human being that you are. Thank you for coming to spend some time with us, for sharing your time, your attention, your knowledge, your spirit with us. It, it has been a pleasure and a privilege. Um, and again, we hope that you'll come back. Family, it's time for us to take another commercial break. And... You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 